hey, by the way, I'm straight. And I am really proud of it because I feel like I am pretty strong for women or maybe in general. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Unanthropologetic. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. I have Flex and Preston here with me, as always. Yo, yo, yo. It is your boy Preston back again for another week of Unanthropologetic. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> as I eat my teeth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, how are you doing today? Um, how am I doing today? Um I'm good. You know, it's a good, it's been a good few days. Um, you know, I am, I'm fully transitioned into my interim role now. So I'm covering all of Derm. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's funny because I thought it was just going to be a ton more things to do. And in some ways that's true, but like, it's kind of nice having complete oversight. So being over everything. And kind of being able to make decisions by myself without having to consult someone else and kind of rolling everything out as one big plan, Mm -hmm. you know, so that I know if it has been done or hasn't been done because I have that line of sight over all of the locations. So it's actually nice. And then it's closer. So it's only the main hub. Um, It's only 15 minutes away from me versus the 48 minute ride that I had to do every morning. That's amazing. Did you, um, did you plan that? Like when you moved or. I'm not yes and no, because with my organization that I work for, they have locations all up and down um, the Chicagoland area. Um, And so I knew that had I moved more south, so if I went to like the south side of Chicago, that would have put me even farther away from where I needed to be. So I was very adamant about staying more north, which is what we ended up doing. And so because of that, that I guess that did put me closer. Yeah. Um, but I also just think it was a coincidence that, you know, my co-manager or my ex co-manager, she lived in the northern suburbs of Illinois, which is where my original location was. And I live 10 minutes away from the location that she worked at. So it's kind of like we should have just flip-flopped from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it was more about scope and she had the much larger scope. So now that that's my scope, um, I'm able to kind of get off work, you know, at 4 30 and get home by 4 45 4 50 and it's just glorious it's like yeah it's amazing yeah no definitely I feel like the commute kind of kills like that's one thing about like COVID that I've appreciated is that like my for me my commute has like decreased and so I technically have more time to myself like not in a car or Mm -hmm. a bus or whatever um, so yeah, that's definitely nice. So um, when you like oversee these, I'm like, again, I don't know how this works at all. Um, but is it kind of like having this like bird bird's eye view? So you know, what's going on at like every, what is it like clinic, not clinic, every yeah. branch every of clinic. Germ. Okay. Oh, yeah. every clinic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you can like coordinate better. Right. Because you have that oversight. Right. Yes. And okay. so um 
for example, you know, there might be a new workflow that you need to get done. We'll say just for kicks, you know, um, all, all female patients need to get a pregnancy test when they have a visit, right? That, that would never be the case, but we're just saying that, for example, um, how I roll it out at one location with one doctor and one medical assistant may be very different from how I would roll that out at a location with the lab on site mm. with five doctors and seven medical assistants, right? So there's just, mm. when you have less resources, then you have to be a bit more creative. And so it's easier for me to understand the bigger picture and how we're going to get something done because I have a line of sight over every location. So what works in location A may not work at location B, but Mm -hmm. at least I have an understanding of how location B works so I can tailor it to location B. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super cool actually. Like, and yeah, it, I don't know. It makes what you're saying makes sense about like um, having to utilize whatever resources are available at each clinic. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, that is super cool. And you just mm-hmm. seem overall very like a little bit lighter and like happier. Is that transferring correctly? Yes, today. Because <laughs> okay, because a few days last week really was blowing me. I was like can people just do their freaking job and can, you know, people leave me alone, you know? So there were a few days like that last week, but today was actually a very good day. So I feel a lot less drained going into our recording than, you know, some other days when I have so much more on my plate. So it was actually a very nice day today. Good. Okay. Good. 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 That's so amazing. how are you? Your your energy feels different today. Oh, like a good different? Um, sure. <laughs> it feels like a more somber different. Like you're just, so you know, like no. in your head and like reflecting. That's interesting. Um, no. So actually, you know what it probably is, is like I sat down, um, expecting to turn on Bridgerton, Bridget, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started it mainly because a lot of my coworkers and friends have been like talking about it. And I ended up procrastinating it and taking a nap. And so I woke up like whenever I, you know, messaged you. Um and mm. yeah, having like an afternoon nap. So I'm probably still a little groggy. I don't feel somber actually. I feel like so last week, um, I attended a national conference, uh, Society of Behavioral Medicine, and I presented two posters there and I presented two posters internally at my university. Mm-hmm. And um I think that entire week, the, like leading up to it, I was just really stressed out and like really, I don't know, just like burned out even. And now that it's over, I think I just feel a lot lighter. Um for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I think yeah just like coming down from all the stress and everything. I just feel lighter. I actually feel really inspired. I met a lot of really cool people at this conference. A lot of people who were interested in my research and also people who were like willing to help. And a lot of people who were like, oh my gosh, you're in like the worst phase 
phase of you know your mm-hmm. PhD, and it was kind of validating and reassuring to hear that because um, yeah, this semester has really like kicked me in the butt in terms of uh, like my not like not just self esteem but kind of like ha- it's really challenged me in terms of having to really think think critically and come up with like research questions that aren't too big for a dissertation um, mm. or too small uh you know like something that's still novel but like I don't know if you know about grants but there's all these different levels of grants in mm-hmm. academia and some of them are like million dollar grants and some of them are like smaller grants like ten ten thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars and when you're doing your your doctoral education your studies you can do a pre-doctoral grant, which is a training grant, an F31. It's called an F31. And I had my heart set on like applying for one and and um, getting it. But it's almost like I've had to deal with a lot of other people's biases on my personal research interests. So mm. like I'll, pre- I'll pitch my, my topic and someone will be like, oh, but you should do this or you should think about this. And it, it's a good idea, but it's just not like, related to what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having to like navigate that was really frustrating, but I think I've just come to a point in the semester where I'm really at peace with like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, I've been also told that I have a lot of really great ideas again, that are just too big for a dissertation. And so now I've again, come to this place of peace where I just want to get my dissertation done so that I can go out and actually do the things that I am interested in doing on my Mm -hmm. own as an independent researcher. Um, How do you combat that though? Like when people are saying, Oh, that's cool, but you should, have you thought about this? Is it, how are you balancing it with like, okay, that could be a good idea or a way to think about it versus that wasn't the original vision so yeah so like at first at the beginning of the semester when this started happening I um I actually like not not took it personally but I kind of took it as though like maybe I was too dumb for this like what was I doing here like you know are my ideas so stupid that they can't stand on their own um but also because I wasn't getting the feedback that my ideas were good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that, that didn't come until much more recently. Um, and, you know, like part of it, I think like now looking back, I'm appreciative that like all these people did this because it again, did challenge me to think critically and like um, really force me to put like, what's the word? Like um, I guess like evidence, like academic evidence, peer-reviewed evidence behind my ideas instead of just being like, oh, I think this is cool. Like I have um, been able to lay out like why it's cool, why this is interesting, why, you know, mm-hmm. it should be the center of a focus. And I'm not going to share it because people do steal ideas, unfortunately. And and I would be happy if someone stole my idea and wanted to collaborate with me, but that's not what happens. Right. Um, so one day, yeah, one day, my name will be on something and and y'all will hear about it. And this is what I was talking about, but, but yeah, like it's, it's been, um, I don't know, part of it, I could think was like me kind of being resistant and maybe even a tiny bit arrogant. Um, but now I think like, again, things have come to a point where, um, I, again, I see the value of like that feedback and while I haven't incorporated, it has led me to like, 
having a better understanding of even the topic that I was interested in. Um, but yeah, it's also in like, there's also like, uh, there's a lot of politics in academia, unfortunately, but there's also people who like have these hidden agendas. Um, like, you know, they'll, they'll tell me to apply for like a postdoc at a certain university, but there's a motive behind it because they're trying to retain me under, under them instead of allowing me to kind of fly free as, as a researcher myself. Mm. And so I don't know, having to navigate that, um, having to navigate that has definitely been a challenge, but I think when you're aware of like a motive or aware of like who a person is and where they're coming from, it makes it easier. Um, like I'm, I was definitely very naive. I probably still am. Um, and like wanting to believe that everyone's good is kind of my default, like has good intentions and is good. And is looking out for me is my default, but I've had to kind of, I guess, like harden in terms of, um, making sure that I'm also like taking care of myself uh, mm-hmm. and and doing the best for myself and my own opportunities. So maybe I am somber. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like a hardened criminal and I'm just getting hardened like mm-hmm. academic, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like, like I said, I do feel like a huge sense of peace, especially after coming from this conference and meeting a lot of other people who have already been through what I'm currently going through. And um seeing that they like came out on the other side and like have all these cool opportunities. They're doing really cool research and have the same like passion that I still feel for research. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's nice. I think, well, a you're going to navigate it as difficult <laughs> as it may feel in the moment. Um, I have no doubt that you'll still push through and, and get to the other side. I also hope that you're not doubting yourself in the sense of, <laughs> are you dumb? <laughs> because clearly that is not the answer. <laughs> You're very intelligent. Am I dumb? No. <laughs> yeah, my imposter syndrome's on full display right now, but <laughs> yes, because you are absolutely brilliant and and that's the thing. I feel like some of this stuff isn't as intuitive as we would like to think that it is. You know, I know I have a tendency of oversimplifying research, which is why I never wanted to go into it. Um, because I'm like, uh, uh, just read it. Like, just, girl, what you talking about? Like, this is what I wanted, you know, it's so it's like, I just oversimplify it. And there's even a branch of our dermatology department that is research. Mm-hmm. And I even over, oversimplify it there too. And I'm like, uh, just tell the patient to come in. Like, I don't understand the issue. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole lot of like paperwork and, you know, forms that they have to fill out and get approved and make sure that they are, you know, because they're doing human trials. And so these yeah. are different compared to like, you know, animal looking or, yeah. animal or looking at data that has already been collected yeah. and making your own inferences from that. So it's, it's a, it's a tricky world out there that's not intuitive at all so I think you know if you have a few stumbles or it's not as your your navigation isn't as graceful as you I guess would want it to be mm-hmm. um I don't think that's I think that's to be expected yeah and I mean also like it's not like my life has been so like smooth and clean and I haven't gotten through it like this is just another one of those things and even like even taking like the micro part of like last week and seeing that I got through it like presenting four posters is wild. It's mm-hmm. like 
ambition on another level. And, and again, I got through it and I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. Um, but yeah, it's always like, you know, after you've done it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And I'm just hoping that in two or three years, I look back and I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But I also hope that when I have students that like, I, I don't know, like listen to them better or like Mm. make sure I'm hearing them, um, and guiding them in a way that like, isn't frustrating. Um, but yeah, but that's how I'm doing. That's good. I think if if we're going to see more, Oh, my other question was, so when the dissertation is done and -hmm. you've defended it and they're like, cool, you, you got the degree. (laughs) what happens to that research does it then get published or does it just kind of yeah I mean if you're if you're savvy then you will publish your dissertation I'm not everyone does um but I mean like your publications are what speak for you their publications are what define your value unfortunately um as a researcher um and so you know, they really encourage, I mean, the program I'm at is great because we like, there's three stages um, and you have to publish in the first stage to get to the second stage, which is qualifying exams. Right. And then when you do your qualifying exams, then you're allowed to sit or do you start your dissertation. Um, And so literally all of us graduate with at least one publication under our belt, which is like, you know, there's some people who don't publish until they're like five years post Mm-hmm. post PhD. Um, so that's like a huge deal. Um, and, but yeah, again, I think for a lot of people, if they are, you know, ambitious or, I mean, it also depends on the career they want. If they want a research driven career, then pu- they should publish their dissertation. Um, if they want, you know, more like a, like a practice-based career, DRPH type career, um, when we're talking about public health, then it doesn't matter as so much, mm-hmm. but, you know, publications are always nice publications make you look strong and, and good and yeah intelligent I want the publications with none of the work to get there <laughs> you can be you know name. let me let me use your clinics one day and you could be a, you could be an author on one of my papers oh that's the only way I'm going to be an author on a research <laughs> paper because I'm absolutely not doing it like, well just... and so this is another thing. I mean, we will have to start our topics here in a second, but um, another thing like that I learned about at this conference was something called an op-ed, which is something that I think you could definitely do and publish in your, like given where you are right now. Cause you could talk about mm-hmm. like, you know, um, anything that you're really observing in the clinics that you oversee, like whether it's um, certain biases, certain practices that are really strong in your clinic Um some of the work you do and how that has like, you know, influenced the quality of care that people are receiving, things like that. Um, And those are, you know, also just as valuable. They don't um, have the evidence always backing it, but I mean, that's something that is becoming really, really popular in the, in the world Mm -hmm. of academia. And if you become a, a a JD, if that ever, you know, that's something you ever pursue, then yeah, you will definitely publish, you know, the laws mm-hmm. of the land and all of that. Mm-hmm. Remember all those briefs we had to read? <laughs> uh, I actually don't mind the briefs. You know, it's like that stuff is fine. It's just the the act of me researching, putting information together to back up, you know, my claims or justifications. I don't know. I am just the the art of research. 
is exhausting and I'm already exhausted. I'm not even in a program and I'm exhausted. Well, you know, if anything comes across my desk ever, I will consider you and ask you to be a co-author. Uh-huh. Yeah. As, as long as that means <laughs> I'll do I all can, the writing. Sometimes yeah, you- <laughs> I was going to say, does that mean I can just sit in the background and be like, Mona, that, you spelled that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like maybe one day I'll talk about like, I don't, this is not something I'm necessarily interested in, but healthcare management, so that somehow comes up in my research and I need a an opinion. Yeah. You know, I'll come that. to you. Yeah. I can do that. But Mona, you know, you really didn't spell al- alopecia correctly, girl. Let me, <laughs> let me write that and therefore I'm an author. Or it's, like, or it's like when I give you my paper for revision, then it comes back and it's just like all highlighted. And it's like, I think um like cheeses are great but like can we can we incorporate cheeses in here like or something like that like yeah like absolutely <laughs> absolutely but yeah something yeah but no I mean I don't know it's not as bad as okay that's not true I've been waiting for like I've been working on a paper for two years and I'm waiting on another paper and I've been waiting for like six months for it to go through the review process so Heck it's no. all fun it's all part of the part of the the journey and the game and you know, I feel I feel good about my gate my strategy though. So yeah. Um that's that's important. But yeah, to pivot, or maybe it's related, I don't know. Oh, it could be related. Um we want to talk about like religion today, right? Yeah, yeah. Um so I mean, I think faith is a really important and powerful thing. Um, and that's actually something I have considered within my research, um, just because I think it can have a lot of protective impacts, right. Uh, you know, for certain people, hmm. um, but religion from of, a, like a, from like a so, so sociology perspective, like, yeah, what, sociology what or a psychosocial, like, um, just like, first of all, like the idea of like a community, the idea of like surrendering or like um, surrendering to peace, having conviction that everything will be okay um, mm. because it's not in your hands, it's in someone else's hands, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's like fatalism. I think that's the word for it. Um, like those kind of things, I think, well, we can get into this, but I think those are definitely protective effects for a lot of people in terms of like, um, I don't know, you know, like taking care of themselves, not feeling stressed out, things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, um, just to start, like what role has religion played in your life, like historically and presently? Um, fatalism. I just learned that word from you. So that's perfect. I looked it up. So yeah, you're right. Fatalism is a belief that all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. so uh, religion is a very, um, convoluted topic for me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't say that I grew up religious, um, my parents, my mom grew up very religious, I believe. So even my grandma would, um, still went to church up until the day she passed away. But my mom grew up fairly religious, but she wasn't very religious in our household. And my dad, I don't think, grew up 
very religious. So I wasn't raised in the church like a lot of other Black folk, um, especially in the South, um, might have had. My experience was very different. I I do have an older sister, and she went to a Christian high school, which is where I would say a lot of her faith was developed, um, which in turn made me want to get interested in my own journey. But, you know, growing up, I've always had this, like, strained relationship with um, my faith, mainly because of my sexuality and kind of feeling like, you know, I was less than or not worthy of having this relationship with God and whatever that looked like for me. And I think I also spent so much time trying to shape and fit God in my life. Um, that aligned with how the pastor said that it was appropriate or like friends or family. I tried to, my God was attempting to look like their God, Mm -hmm. which is what I was trying to do. And it wasn't until um, I was in like my senior year in undergrad where I was talking to some girl and she was like, you know, God is, is, is different for everybody. And God looks different, can look different for you and can look different you know, for the person right beside you. Um, But you have to have your own relationship. And I think that was my turning point because no one had ever framed it for me in that way where I could have ownership or autonomy in my relationship with God. And it kind of changed everything for me. And I felt less conflicted. I felt less, um, you know, stuck in this turmoil um, because I felt like I I could have my own relationship with God and I can be gay because I sure as hell didn't wake up and decide that I was going to be gay. I just was <laughs> born this way. Mm-hmm. So if I was born this way, then clearly God wanted me to be this way. No. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. So I love that, you know, and I, I wish that's what it was like for more people, especially those who kind of use religion to, condemn certain groups of people um yeah but what is like what is like so that's like what religion is like for you but do you ever go to church or anything like that um so you know it's one of those things where like people always have these debates especially on on the instagram where it is this idea of religion versus being religious versus being spiritual, right? Um, Where people think that the idea of being religious is kind of this ritualistic behavior that you do where you go to church every Sunday or you pray every night before you go to bed or you pray and bless the food. It's kind of like those patterns that you do, whereas being spiritual, people are like, okay, well, I may not agree with the practices um, or the behavior patterns, but I do believe in God. I do believe that there's something greater or something higher. And those are the principles that I use to guide my life. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think at the point, at the current point, I veer more into the spiritual side. Um, but was there a time in my life where I was a, a lot more religious and a lot more ritualistic in my behavior? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And I was a part of the choir. Um, I was 
I would be, I would, we would go, I would try to learn my Bible scriptures. Like there was a time in my life where it was a bit more routine. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I've gotten older, I've, I don't know, it just doesn't feel, I don't feel as connected to it and it doesn't feel as necessary. And again, I think a lot of that comes from being at peace in my relationship with God versus feeling like I wasn't good enough because I wasn't living this heterosexual lifestyle. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's like powerful in itself. Like for me, I mean, it looks a lot very similar. Well, kind of for me currently, I think like, I do just consider myself a very spiritual person. I believe in this idea of like the universe and, and nature and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times that is what gives me not necessarily a sense of peace, but like a sense of like, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm a fatalistic person at all because I do personally believe that like, I have more control than maybe I even give myself credit for um, Mm -hmm. over like what my outcome is. And this is something I've been talking about a lot with a few of my friends because I've always described my trajectory through life as kind of like a fluke, right? You know, dropping mm-hmm. out of med school, ending up in Texas, doing my MPH, randomly ending up like working for the military and then randomly also kind of ending up at, at Temple University where I am now. Um, but it's also like, I think by describing those instances as like a fluke, I'm not giving myself credit for all the work I did to, you know, crawl out of first of all, like crawl out of like not having a career anymore Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, putting myself through my master's and then, you know, moving to a whole new state and even like taking the time to learn, you know, how to do SAS and become a really good coder. And, and then even like the fact that I build these really good relationships, these really strong relationships with people who would vouch for me and Mm -hmm. help me get into a school. Like it's not me not acknowledging the, amount of work I did, which mm-hmm. is something that I've been trying, like recently been, you know, not necessarily like coming to terms with, because I think it's a, it's a good thing for me to acknowledge all of that. Um, but yeah, but I think until very recently, I did like want to default to this fatalistic point of view because I didn't always necessarily feel like I deserve the things that I got. Maybe it felt too easy, but mm-hmm when I do look back, I know I worked really hard at every stage of my life. And I think that's just what paid off to get me to the next stage. Um, in terms of like religion, I want to say like, you know, and I am just speaking from my personal experience, but I think from a cultural perspective, the culture I'm from, people are not very like deeply religious. Um, Mm. no one in my family is like, I would, I would, I would say no one in my family is like very religious. Um, people, you know, my dad will wake up and pray every morning. Um, his mom, my grandma does that. Um, but otherwise I'd never really saw any of my family members like take any part in sort of like a, uh, uh, a daily ritual. It was more like, you know, if there was like a big, uh, we call them bujas in, in our culture, if those are coming up, like everyone would go, but it's more like a social event. It felt like then, you know, religious. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have one family member who was very religious and like 
at one point in my life, I really like kind of valued the novelty of this like ritual and all this stuff. And I really wanted to learn it. So they taught me a lot of like the rituals of Hinduism. But one of the things that like, it was my, my uncle, um, one of my uncles on my mom's side, but one of the things he said to me when he was like teaching me all of this is, and it kind of goes back to what you were describing, um, is that like, you know, I like, I will always remember this, but like, you're the sum of all the people you surround yourself with, um, like your friends and things like that. And so if God is like your, if God is your friend, then you will embody the qualities of God and things like that. Mm. Um, and I always like found that to be really powerful, but now like not even, but, but now when I, but (laughs) I keep saying, but now (laughs) when I think about it, like, I think part of it is that it's, thinking like that is forcing all of us to look inside and see what things we value. And then if we believe in the idea that, you know, we surround ourselves with the things we value, then we're good people, but that can be different for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I don't know, the, the logical scientist part of me is just kind of like, Oh, well, it's just us thinking about what we like and what we value. And, you know, there's not like a set standard for it, which is something I never really thought about until very recently. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how religion plays a role in my life. And um, I, yeah, now I just consider myself a spiritual being. I don't feel any need to participate in any organized religion. Um, and I think the only part of me that sometimes wishes that I did have this like deep faith in a religion is just when I see other people like talk about like surrendering to his grace Mm. or like things like that, like Mm -hmm. the amount of peace that they seem to be at. Sometimes I am a little envious of that, but again, from like a logical perspective, that's just not me or who I am. So I want to go back to um, culturally um, and from in your cultural cultural background, um, and you mentioned Hinduism. I guess my first question is: Is Hinduism the predominant religion in India? Um, no. So there's actually three: um, Islam, Hinduism, and then Christianity. So gotcha. most people are one of the three. I think the majority of people are, are Hindu, but I think that there is a historical context to that, like where you know people who were Muslim were like driven out or, you know, things like that. But um, yeah, those are the three main religions that are most common in India. And so when you are like back in India and you're kind of immersed in that culture, do Mm -hmm. you see differences to how the, the population may approach religion in that country versus how they do here? Yeah, you know, that's actually really interesting because I've had a lot of conversations really recently about that because it's from my perspective, again, like these are just things, observations that I've taken in. So I, I just want to preface that this could be totally off base, but um, it just seems like it parallels the US where in the South there is like this like more disciplined Mm-hmm. approach towards religion and in the north it's more like relaxed and things like that mm-hmm. um, i don't necessarily think that's true like completely but in india in the south people do seem to be more like disciplined people are more likely to be vegetarian or vegan um and then there's also um we in uh, when i grew up was growing up in nebraska we had a lot of 
friends from Punjab and they are Sikh. Uh, so another, I think it's a branch of Hinduism or mm. something like that. I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but they, um, they were also very devout and religious and like um, very disciplined in, in their spirituality. But um it's it, it's kind of like weird because <laughs> like I guess like you know they'll still participate in like dancing and like singing and not that those things are like bad or sinful quote unquote um but secular yeah <laughs> that's what they always told me don't 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 give yourself up to this world all right that secular music <laughs> <laughs> well but, and like they will like drink and like eat meat and things like that like they do like these normal quote unquote normal things um but like when it comes to like their marriage rituals and things like that they're very very devout very very disciplined and things like that um and even like me and my family went to the golden temple in india one time and you know my dad like we wanted to take a picture and we we're like smiling because we're like happy that we're there and like mm-hmm. excited to be there and like my dad puts his arm around me and my sister you know he's my dad and like someone came and like yelled at us and was like you need to be serious. This is a serious like thing. And um, mm. it was just kind of odd because again, like that's our dad. We're his daughters. Like my dad's a totally like quote unquote, the girl dad, like he loves having daughters. He right. has always been very, very um, supportive of both me and my sister and like somewhat of a like feminist, even for his time and age. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that like we got yelled at for like, smiling in this holy site like it just felt very bizarre to me like and again like no disrespect like I want to respect their culture the way they want to practice religion but that's that kind of religion is not for me <laughs> like right so, yeah so so maybe I'm thinking of this wrong so Ganesh is the the god with the elephant head right that's yeah of um hinduism mm-hmm. right and so do you believe that so of course you know my god or the god <laughs> that when you are in your bap- a christian baptist raised you know we have a very eurocentric version of god that we think mm-hmm. of that we know is most likely not how the he looked or jesus looked um when he walked this earth but um this idea that all of these gods or beings or figureheads all have similar practices or belief systems or values what do you mm-hmm. make of that like do you agree with that do you think there's one religion that's better or more yeah um, do you mean like in terms of do you mean in terms of like Christianity versus Hinduism versus Islam? Or? Yeah, because they all okay. have very, there's slight differences, yeah. right? But at the end of the day, yeah. I think most of them are like, treat people how you want to be treated. And, <laughs> you know, honor yeah. your mother and father, those types of things. Yeah, I mean, I think at their very core, like they're all religions that like practice good things and it's humans who kind of like make it not a great experience. Yeah. Um, I don't think any one religion is better than the other, but like I think one difference between like Hinduism and and like Christianity and Islam and, and things like that are 
is that Hinduism is polytheistic, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, we have Ganesh and I'm using the collective we, um, and then Shiva and like Durga and all these other people, people, mm-hmm. <laughs> these other gods. Um, and they, um, they each kind of represent a different thing, a different like part of life in some way. Um, and it's that part, like what you, when you were just asking me this question, it just kind of reminded me um, that like, even that part has kind of been degraded because um, people, you know, people value money, for example. And so because of that, like they will, you know, pray to Ganesh because they want more money and things like that. But it's never, I don't know. It's just not, it's always about like personal gain, which to me is like, not what religion or faith or spirituality should always be about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know. I think I, for me, at least it's about kind of like finding your best self, you know, with giving meaning to finding your best self and things like that. But um, it's just interesting how it's devolved. I don't think any one religion is better than the other. I think that they're all, they all have the same problems. They all have the same strengths. Um, I just wish that people would mind their own business when it came to religion (laughs) and not make it part of like, you know, daily life or part of a daily practice or, you know, part of a decision, you know, especially in the U S when it comes to politics. Um, I just, I wish that people would just like let people live and let live and, yeah it's yeah. it's it's weird it's like you know on certain principles people want to have a separation of church and state right mm. um but then in a lot of other instances we use our religious backgrounds to dictate politics or policies or rules that we make and i mean you see it every day with abortion right um yeah. you know is it who are we to play god if you got pregnant, then God wanted you to get pregnant and you need to have that baby and shut the fuck up. All right. It's kind of the thought process behind that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I stand weirdly in the middle between a lot of this stuff. I, you know, I personally, you know, if I was to talk about my views on abortion, like I am personally um, pro Wait, am I? <laughs> Low key. Oh my goodness, I just had like a brain like fired. I could not think. I'm like pro, wait, what's the word? Pro-choice, uh, pro-life. Oh my God. Thank you. Pro. So personally, I am pro-life because mm-hmm. I don't think I would personally be able to advocate for anyone to have an abortion unless they're in certain situ- situations. So when I worked mm-hmm. at a domestic violence shelter and we would have some of those clients come in who were raped and were pregnant by their rapist do i think that they should be forced to have that child if they don't want to have Mm -hmm. that child absolutely not um but i know if i was to get a a woman pregnant i would not advocate for her to get an abortion it would be like let's have the baby type of thing Mm -hmm. but politically i am pro-choice do what the fuck you want to do and yeah um I feel like women should have autonomy over their bodies. And so at the end of the day, like, I think it's their decision. And if they don't want to go through with it, then they don't go through with it. But I think 
when we make the policy policies in line with like our own personal religious views, aren't we going against what the the forefathers all did in order to <laughs> when they came to the um, Americas, they wanted freedom of religion. And aren't we doing the exact yeah. opposite of that? Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. It's it's so like, you know, going back to your concept of like pro-life and pro-choice, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. But with the caveat that I have never been pregnant, so I don't know what I would actually do. But mm-hmm. I would like to think that if I were to get pregnant, that I would want to keep the baby, the fetus, whatever we want to call it. Right. Um, and a collection of sales yeah. <laughs> before right. it even becomes a fetus. <laughs> I think it's called a blastula and then like a morula. I might get those mixed up, but those it's it's some that order. Um, yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, uh, I just, yeah, I just think that personally, I would, um, I wouldn't be able to have an abortion, especially at my age, like, and, you know, every other week, some days I want kids and other days I don't. And, but yeah, I think that if I were to actually get pregnant, I would want to keep the baby. Um, But again, I don't feel like I should have, be able to say anything about what anyone else does. Right. Um, Um. but yeah, um, politics. What were we talking about? I don't even know how we got on that. I think we just talk about <laughs> politics with, you know, religion influencing oh. our politics and things like that. So yeah. Oh, and um, all, you were talking about the forefathers and freedom of religion. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that, of course, too. Um, I mean, that was racist as fuck, but you know, sure. <laughs> Well, and also like, I just, I personally just don't think I should have any say in how anyone leads their life. Um, and that goes for anything. Like, you know, as long as you're not shooting your gun at people who haven't done anything, like who are minding their own business, who, whatever, like have your guns too. Yeah. I think like, we were talking about this a few days ago, I mean, like my advisor actually about how like the constitution was written at a time that is very different from right now. Absolutely. And like, maybe it just needs to be rewritten Um, because back then they were trying to prevent like, you know, a whole government from taking their rights, like a whole foreign government from taking their rights. Now we have just a government that is not foreign. So um but who in the fuck would I I give the autonomy to sit and make a new constitution? You and like, me, Preston. You I mean, and me. Apparently, like, that is it. Like, you, <laughs> me, and the cat. Like, that's it. Because at this like, who? Trump? You know, like, his constitution Ugh. will look vastly different from a constitution that was made by, like, Michelle Obama. Well, I don't even think he would know what to write down. No, just everybody go back into slavery. Blacks go back to slaves. (laughs) I feel like that's exactly what it would be. I just don't. Yeah. I, you, yeah, no. Um, I, I definitely don't want it to be like Lauren Boebert or like Majori, whatever, Green. I can't stand them. Mm. If it was like AOC, maybe Stacey Abrams, maybe. Um, 
Kamala Harris, maybe. I feel maybe. like she's still kind of moderate. Yeah. Yeah. Even um, though I, you know, I am not as progressive as I thought that I was. I thought I was I a know. Lot more progressive. I I've been in the same boat. Like I, you know, growing up in Nebraska, we're like <laughs> growing up in Nebraska, I always thought I was like ultra liberal. And then I moved to Philly, which is like a whole nother level of mm-hmm. of liberal. And I've realized that like I've learned a lot. Like I've definitely learned a lot, but there's some things that I just can't always get behind. Um, and also I think I'm always, I've always been like action oriented or I've been taught to be action oriented. And sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like um, either side of the the spectrum kind of wants someone else to take care of certain issues. Whereas I would want to be the one taking care of an issue, but yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So, yeah. It's, um, it's weird. But anywho, we digress because now <laughs> we're talking about politics. But yeah. I mean, politics and, and religion, I think, go hand in hand. I mean, I think yeah. in the world that we live in today, you really can't have a conversation about religion without it veering into yeah. our political system. And I did want to, so like, on just before we get back on track, but I did want to bring up, I saw this tweet um, and it said, I wonder how these conservatives would feel if if Pat if we passed a law making illegal to teach your kids about religion until they were adults. And I thought that was like appropriate for this topic, just because mm. again, like they want to take out certain social issues, social like psychosocial issues, even outside out of schools, but then shouldn't religion fall into that. But anyway, I digress. Um, well, of course it does it because <laughs> <laughs> religion is, uh, has nothing to do with critical, race theory and you know it's the god truth it's the it's god, the truth. god That's why. <laughs> right it's the god truth and it's not about holding a mirror up to white <laughs> individuals and saying hey your heritage and your people in the past were some fuckers and they did some pretty crappy things to people of color and they still yeah. do it to this day they don't yeah. want to acknowledge that so of course they're they're going to say no to that but yes to religion yeah i do you think that our generation and beyond is going to be less religious than like you know our parents generation oh yeah (laughs) sorry oh my goodness that's a big yawn um absolutely i think so i think even less so for the, the gen zers because I think, you know, one of the things I think, re- going back to your original point of religion and it being a protective thing that people rely on to get them through hard times, right? And I think I see it so much in the Black community and where it's kind of like we they we create blind, we put our blinders on mm-hmm. and we don't critically think about some of the things we're being taught that is coded as Christian Christianity or like God focused or God centered. Um, And we kind of blindly follow. And I listen to a lot of my family and some of my friends and, you know, you talk to them and it's like their whole personality is God 
Um, you know, I'm waiting on God to send me the man that I deserve, a God-fearing man, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, okay, but then who are you, like, where are you in your journey to even say that this person is worthy of, you. of your time yeah. in relation to their walk with God? You know, it just, it seems, it all seems very arbitrary and convoluted, Um and I and I get it because I do think it is a protective thing. I think that we don't always know why we are in the situation that we're in. And so it brings comfort to say, oh, well, God led me here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm here because God wanted me to be here and God wouldn't give me more than I could bear. So, you know, this is, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, well, two things. Um, first, I do want to touch on like the whole, I, I think that that mentality of like, God couldn't give me more than I could bear. I think that is like a very powerful way of thinking. I didn't, I like personally on a, on a personal level, I wish it didn't center around God, but like, I like, I think about that a lot because I think about like, you know, weeks or months that I'm really going through it. And I write about these things. Like I make sure I write it down so that one day I can look back and be like, wow, I did get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that alone, that exercise and that practice is powerful. And it very much parallels this idea of like, I would never be able to, I would never go through more than what like I could handle or like I can handle all this. Um, but to go back to the idea of, like God fearing, like, um, I don't know if this is how you feel, but to me, it's always been a very odd concept to fear this idea of God. Like to me, it it just feels very unnatural and foreign to believe in something because if you don't, something bad's going to happen. Um, And maybe that's because of how like religion was introduced to me, how like my uncle made it about like, you know, your value, like my values and like, um, you know, surrounding myself with things that I deem good that were, that are good. Um, But I've always struggled with the idea of like being afraid of this thing that like you want to worship. And I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I agree. I've always thought that that was very counterintuitive because like I always, you know, I was always taught like you should fear God, right? Mm-hmm. Like you should weep at his feet. You should be afraid to like look. Um, and I, I, I guess I get why they would say that, but it also just kind of feels it feels weird. It's like, so I'm supposed to spend all of this time on earth to build my relationship with God. But then whenever I have the opportunity to go to the other side and meet God, I'm supposed to like wither and (laughs) kind of like not be excited that I'm now engaging with this entity person spirit that I've been like worship, like, shaping my life around like it it feels weird to me yeah I just it just yeah I like I mean you've heard my opinion pretty much but yeah it's always just been like something I've really struggled with understanding I just I can't fathom loving something that I'm afraid of like 
I don't know. That's it's weird. That it's just something that I I don't understand. Um, I don't, and also just to live out of fear too. Like that doesn't sound like a great way to live either. Um, what are your thoughts? Because uh, you also mentioned this thing about um, being logical, right? <laughs> and you know, someone told me back in the day that. People who are less intelligent are usually more religious. Mm. Now, I don't know where they got that statement <laughs> from. I don't know if that's if there's a study that, you know, proved that. But yeah, I mean, I think I think, well, I struggle with this idea of intelligence because, like, what are they using to measure intelligence? Is it like literacy? Are they? mistaking literacy for intelligence i don't know like again i don't know where the study was conducted i mean and there is there is a lot of like research that you know does suggest that literacy is lower among people who are religious um but i don't think it has to do with religion it has i think it has to do with like lack of resources more than anything it's oftentimes Mm -hmm. these like rural um you know communities and things like that um and you know even like logic like (laughs) me and my advisor me and my advisor really bonded actually at this conference but like he was just telling me about all these things that happen and like again you know scientists we're like I'm gonna say like the collective we because sometimes I don't imposter syndrome playing playing its role here Mm -hmm. um but it's always like when something weird happens we try to attribute like a logical reason to it. Like, Oh, this book fell. Maybe the wind blew it over or like something blew it over. A cat blew it over, whatever, or like dropped it. But my advisor was telling me about like how he like really and truly believes he lived in a haunted house. And it's always like, not bizarre. It's just like, when I hear someone who is as educated and as intelligent and smart and, you know, has scientific integrity as someone like my advisor and they talk about ghosts, I feel like I can't help but believe them because Mm. they probably, in my opinion, or in my perspective, they've probably exhausted all other um, explanations for why something is happening and for them to come to this conclusion that it's like this ghost is like, well, I don't want to believe you, but I kind of feel like I have to like, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I think that goes back to this, the, like your question you're asking about like intelligence and religion, um, you know, like I don't fault anyone who's religious because again, I do think that there is like power in being religious. And I do sometimes wish again, that I was religious Um, and I don't like, I actually don't feel like I know anyone in my life who is very religious or have like a deep personal relationship with anyone who's very religious other than like maybe my dad and also my uncle, like when he was alive and my aunt, both like they're married to each other and they're both very religious. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, like obviously have a very deep respect for all of these people. They're all people who I look up to, who I, you know, trust in and things like that. Um, But, and I do believe that they're all intelligent, 
But sometimes I also think that maybe they look at life in a much more simplistic way and it's gotten them through life and that's fine. That's great. Good for them. I don't think that that's what works for me. And again, my issue is always when other people's beliefs are trying to be projected onto a group of people who don't subscribe to those beliefs. Like, I think that's where my issue is regarding religion always. Um, But in terms of like intelligence and religion, like, I think there is a relationship, but it's like that whole like correlation does not equal causation thing. Like there's other things at play. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I, I would agree with that. I think sometimes depending on certain communities, certain populations of people that are underserved or vulnerable, a lot of the times all they have is their faith, right? Mm-hmm. And they're in this belief that they will see to another day, they will make it to another day, they will get out of whatever situation that they're in. And I think um, that's passed down generationally mm-hmm. via, through generations. And I think that, you know, even people of today, um, you know, in our generation or in the Gen Z generation, um, we pick up some of those same behavior patterns and we may think that, you know, in order for us to get through the day, we have to have this kind of unwavering faith that God will take care of it. And I think on some levels that is very um, calming. Yeah. Um, You know, and I think, you know, personally, I do believe that there's that there's a God, and I do believe that I do believe in heaven and hell, and I do believe in demons, and I do believe in all of these things. Um, and I think I've had to align that with what I know to be fact, or yeah. or you know, of the you know what's actually something tangible that you can touch. Um, because religion is just not a tangible thing. But I also think that there's so much to this world that we don't know. So yeah. if we're about to say that that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And like, at the same time, like, you know, if we were to ever find out if those things exist, it's not really in our hands and it's not really our problem anymore. <laughs> Cause right. like, you know, at that point, like, what can we do really? Like, depending on your religion, you know, you go to heaven or hell, you maybe you come back as, as Molly, the dog, my dog mm-hmm. and have a great life. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just um, like, yeah, we don't know. And I'm sure like Molly doesn't even know if she was a human in a past life. Um, I don't know if I've told you this, but my mom thinks she's a reincarnate of some of our other family members, but <laughs> I think that's amazing. I think, yeah. you know, if you could come back um because, you know, it also just kind of feels like, you know, you have all these deja vus and you have all of these moments where you feel like I've been on this earth before, you know, and yeah. it's kind of like what happens to that energy? Does it just when you die, does it just dissipate and it goes into nothing? Does it yeah. go up to heaven or down to hell? Does it get transferred to someone else? You know, it's. Yeah, well, and that's like so. I was eating, I was having lunch. Yeah. With one of my coworkers. And she kept saying like, you know, what is it like Newton's like third law or something like that? Mm. Uh, Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Right. And that's like why she, you know, that's part of her spirituality. And I was like, yes, that's absolutely scientific. I don't know if that's what that means, but you're not wrong. So like, you know, go with it. Like, I, I think also like the other thing too, to like that I have to keep in perspective 
is that like other people's views, and this is not just really religious. It's like, I have this like knack to always be factually correct, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a toxic trait actually. But like, if, um, if it's not hurting anyone and it gives someone peace and like, let it be, um, when it is hurting someone, I guess that's when like, it matters to speak up or like correct someone or whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just like funny that she mentioned, cause you mentioned that as well. And, and it's true. Like it is absolutely true. What happens like, and, and, you know, it's interesting that like some people take that as reincarnation because to me, I was like, okay, yeah. Energy is neither dis- like created nor destroyed, but like I'm feeding the earth, I'm feeding the soil and that's where mm-hmm. my energy is going. And that's also peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Um, I've always thought about that, like, and how I want to be cremated and kind of sprinkled everywhere in the world um so that i'm just everywhere um (laughs) tyler wants to be cremated and i just don't know how i feel about it because i don't want to be i don't want to burn anybody's body and i know that they're not here anymore i know they're dead i know it's just a vessel at that point but i i don't i I just could not fathom the idea that. that's interesting um i mean not to get morbid that is a morbid topic but no. like but i think that's interesting because like to me i don't want to i don't want to be buried six feet under uh-huh. so it's interesting how we like have different perceptions on that and like but like it's for the same reason almost like yeah just like feeling uncomfortable with the idea of you know, these different burial types and maybe you should be mummified. I actually would not mind that because <laughs> if that would help me continue to be a bad bitch, even in afterlife, <laughs> that is what I absolutely should be doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I guess, yeah. Yeah, of course. That's absolutely what you should be doing. But um, no, I don't know. That's interesting though. Like, cause yeah, I've, I feel, I feel how you feel about, cremation like that's how I feel about being buried um and I'm sure that's actually culturally influenced so oh, I'm sure and I know you know oh, I don't know I just I couldn't be the one to be like let them let them burn boys like I would just fall apart and I know I would fall apart as well even if you know we're burying you know someone traditionally into the ground but I don't know I feel like I've done that before like I there's a resting spot yeah you know it's ashes and then people spread it out over the lakes and whatnot like are you fucking kidding me like no i'm not you're gonna keep him in his little vessel forever yes they're gonna be i'm gonna turn him into like a diamond or something he could just sit on my like my little nipple or something for the rest of my life Uh, i'm like I mean, when your time comes, like he'll just be in like a little corner of your casket, like, and then he'll be buried, and you'll both got have got what you wanted. Oh assuming God, he dies first. Is. Oh my gosh, what are we talking about? But we are assuming he's gonna die first because <laughs> I already know that he will because I impressed it. And a part of my tragic love story is that I'll have to. <laughs> What about your 80. old days on the load? Yes, I'll be eighty. He'll pass away, and I'll just be like. Take on me the down, porch Lord. in a rocking chair. Take me now is what I would Thinking be saying. Thinking about the good old days. Oh, 
that's like I have two more two things I want to mention. So another one of my coworkers mentioned that like there are people who choose to have their body composted and then mm. their family gets the soil that they were composted in. Like they get a little one to mm. like keep and the rest can be used to like go into their backyard or whatever. But the problem with that is like what if you move? Like I that I don't know, you know, that soil yeah. is not coming with you. Um but also when I was a CNA, I did have like a patient who, you know, at that point had lost like all her loved ones. Her, mm. I shouldn't say a whole lot, but like, you know, she yeah, lost all her loved ones. She was just ready to go. And, yeah. you know, she was just like kind of waiting out the day that it would be her turn. And I, again, I think it was because I'm so young um, even now, but I get where she's coming from. But that's also such a foreign concept to me to just be ready to to go, like to have football, like feel like you live. I mean, maybe that's even goals, like to feel like you've lived out your entire life and that, you know, it's time. And I, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I just could not even fathom. I want Tyler to be with me at all times. So you know, if he passes before me, then, you know, I could absolutely see myself dying of a broken heart. Aww. Absolutely. That's that's really sweet and sad. It's very, it's like a tragedy. It's a very romantic, but very like. But it happens. Like, you know, we, we have all heard of stories where that's exactly what happened. Um, I don't know. It, it is very sweet, but also like, I just hope that whenever that time comes for both of you, you can look back and feel like you led a really great life. And yeah. Yeah. And same for me. That's what I hope too. <laughs> like, I'm like Absolutely. sitting here like. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're, and you're gonna, you'll find that person whenever it's t- time for you to find that person. And even. Oh, I mean, I'm happy being alone. I'm saying even if you choose to be alone. <laughs> yeah then you're still going to live the life that you want to live. My mom, this is like a side note. We'll wrap this up in a second, but my mom is like set on finding me someone. And I'm just like, that's like, maybe I'm just like casual about school now because I'm just worried about what's about to happen. Um, But no, I'm like, I'm happy alone right now. I think one day I will want to be in a relationship, but right now I... I don't even have time for it, to be honest. I just don't. I'd rather hang out with my friends than hang out with like someone I'm dating. Yeah, it can be exhausting. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, things work out the way they should. (laughs) He says with a little coy smile. I Uh, like having him around. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, I gotta be a bad bitch solo. (laughs) <laughs> then I know I can do it too. Yeah, I mean, I want what you and Ty have. Yeah, that's what I want. But <laughs> yeah, now be careful what you wish for because he don't act right. Okay, and it's out. I have to cuss him out religiously. Every religiously, <laughs> religiously. I, have to, I have to cuss him out. Okay, because he he gets beside himself. But. Okay. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I could do that. I could do that. What if I'm the tie? I'm the tie. I You're just can't find my person. I'm the tie. Yeah. 
I'm Italian. You find my Preston. That's what it is. You're just not as hard on your sleeve because you're a Scorpio, but (laughs) yeah, I'm sure like (laughs) your intimate relationships, like they're like, oh my God, all Mona wants to talk about is her emotions. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I do love talking about emotions. I do have, I do like the deeper, I mean, this whole podcast is like me, me and my Scorpio toxic traits, right? Right. Like that's where it was born and me wanting to get into the deeper side of people, me wanting to hear the tea, like all the juice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's fed yeah. my little Scorpio soul. So um <laughs> water signs exhaust me. <laughs> I can't. they exhaust me too i exhaust me i exhaust me too but anyway um is there anything else you want to touch on in terms of religion in regards to religion not really i think we really had a uh we kind of went all over the gamut with religion Mm -hmm. you know and i think ultimately at the end of the day i think if people have a, a a list of principles or values that govern their life whether they deem that to be religious or not i think um, that that's probably the most important takeaway that people that we're all that we ho- hopefully we are all guided by similar practices of treating yeah. people with respect, being kind to your neighbor, not killing people. You know, I think um, we all have similar values. Yeah, I think so too. And I do have one question I just thought of before we wrap up. If you were to have kids, I'm assuming religion would not play a part in their life. I, like maybe the same way it did for you. Um, I most likely wouldn't do the ritualistic pieces of it. I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be like, let's put on your Sunday's best and go to church or, um, you know, Bible study every Wednesday night, which is something that I did used to do. Um, I, I think for me though, it it will manifest itself in how I raise my children Mm -hmm. because I do believe, um, you know, in whatever the 10 commandments are, I cannot tell you what they (laughs) are at the moment. Yeah. Um, But out of that father and mother, you know, don't commit adultery, Mm -hmm. don't murder, you know, those types of things. And I think um, even I refer to God a lot, like, oh, you know, I'm so thankful that God put you in my life or I love you so much, um, the God's love or whatever. I don't know. But I think that that is, um, I have a very passive relationship in that, but that's something that makes me feel secure. And I would like for my children to have that as well. So I don't know. I I thought Tyler, when I first met him, I thought he was um, Wicca. When I first met oh, him, interesting because he was always talking about the damn leaves and the trees and charmed and witchcraft, yeah. and I was like, okay, um, are you Wicca? Because if so, we can't do this, okay? <laughs> because I, I I praise the one up high, the God, okay, and I can't I can't do this. But apparently, he's not Wicca, so, <laughs> but he is, and he's just not letting you know. If he is this, you know, almost four years down the line, I would be so upset because he at like the end of the day, <laughs> does his little rituals when you're not looking. Yeah, I, that whole pagan life, you know, that's what also I grew up on. Like, don't be pagan, you know that that pagan lifestyle. 
And it's like uh, of the earth, like of the earth lifestyle. So secular mm-hmm. music, gyrating and dancing, all, <laughs> all of these are of the earth and you shouldn't be of the earth. You should be of God. Yeah. Um, that So one last point. <laughs> wow. It's all coming up now. One last point. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a, like, I used to TA this class and, and one of the students was like a Satanist or something mm. but like when they described it they it was, seemed very like progressive like they were pro like something that had to support like climate change and all this stuff and I was like oh that doesn't sound like what I thought it was or whatever mm-hmm. and um one of our TAs was like kind of freaking out over like the fact that they were Satanists and I was like well it sounds a lot better than like conservative Christianity <laughs> like and they're like oh you're right and like, so it's also interesting how we've like stigmatized certain language or certain like words, maybe, maybe not even mm-hmm. religions. Cause mm-hmm. I don't, I still don't really know what Satanism, Satanism is. Um, but yeah, that's my last thought. Um, but yeah, mm. I think this was a really interesting conversation. Um, you should all go follow Preston at Flex and Preston. You can follow me at by underscore Mona B. Um, you should follow. Wait, what happens to your oldest? Instagram title. It's still there. I just changed my name. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. I just changed my name. So on Twitter, I'm also by underscore Mona B. And I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. I'm trying to start my academic research social media game over there. Mm. And it'll it'll come over to Instagram too. I just after the semester's over, my life is gonna be so much different, she said. Um Mm -hmm. but (laughs) you can follow this podcast at unanthropologetic podcast on instagram definitely um leave us a like comment and subscribe on the apple platform or any platform that you're on mm-hmm. um and am i am i forgetting anything no i think you covered it all sweet till yeah. next time <laughs> take care <laughs>